Proverbs chapter 6. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your wisdom. How we want to to, uh, really be a... How we all want to be just a personification of what we read here. Lord, we'll read tonight that wisdom should be our sister. We should call wisdom our nearest kin. We should call wisdom should be the apple of our eye. And Father, godly wisdom. That's what we want to happen in our life, Father. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, Proverbs chapter 6, verse 1. My son, if you become surety for a friend, if you have shaken hands and pledge for a stranger, it's really talking about taking on credit there. In these two cases, taking on credit for a, a friend or a stranger or lending them money. You are snared by the words of your mouth. You are taken by the words of your mouth. So, so do this, my son, and deliver yourself. For you have come into the hand of your friend. Go and humble yourself. Plead with your friend. Give no sleep to your eyes, nor slumber to your eyelids. Deliver yourself like a gazelle from the hand of the hunter and like a bird from the hand of a fowler. So there is a lot in the Bible and in the Proverbs just about not being a debtor to any man. Paul says don't be a debtor to anyone except to love them. In verse 1 here it says, don't, don't, Actually, it says, if you have shaken hands. And so the word there is strike hands. So they used to strike hands like we do now on a basketball court. And uh, no one's going to, I guess people won't understand that as much in American translation so or English. And so they say, uh, use shaken uh, uh, hands. You know, credit cards, Pastor Scott talked a lot a couple weeks ago about credit. Actually, that was a couple months ago. And uh, how often I've just seen as a pastor, as a counselor, people just become in bondage to credit. And, you know, I get, it's, it's my advice for you that if you can't pay your monthly balance every month, you need to work to get that balance paid off and then destroy your credit cards because it's just it's not a biblical thing to be uh, but uh, you know the bible actually says we become a slave to who we're indebted to now you know there's there's certain situations which um, may be prudent you know, when, when you're in school, when you're getting a mortgage, but our society has gone credit crazy. And a lot of it is just uh, a reflection of the idolatry that we have for the things of the world. That's so much of what it's about. And, you know, 
It, it's it, it really so so often it's it's you know I liken it to any other addiction, spending money, where it's so important that we develop the discipline of a life that we can afford. And if we are using our credit cards to basically live a lifestyle that we can't afford, that's going to carry into every other area of your of your life. Now, I just, you know, it's it's what I have, you know, it's the issue with a lot of kind of addictive behavior, you know. I don't want to pick on smokers, and we have smokers in our church, and uh, you know, we we don't hound them. Some of you may smoke. The issue that I have with smoking is supremely when it, it, it's just it becomes a form of bondage when your flesh gives into that cigarette every time. Don't think it just affects it's affecting your lungs. It's affecting every other aspect of your life because when you indulge the flesh over and over again, it's going to be your flesh is going to become much weaker against every other temptation. And it's like that with money as well. And so, um, you know, don't be looking around at, you know, someone who has an addiction with smoking or alcohol or, or, or eating or whatever when you yourself are misusing credit cards because you have addiction just like they do. Clear out the log in your own eye before looking at the sliver in someone else's. And this says here, this is such a stark warning. It says, look, if you have found yourself in this position, go humble yourself. Go to the credit card agency and say, can I work out a deal? Verse 4, give no sleep to your eyes nor slum to your eyelids. This is real stuff. You go and you deal with this situation. Sell your car and, and, or, or something and, 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 and pay the thing off. Deliver yourself like a gazelle. This is not just hyperbolic language. This is the word of God warning. And oh, how much time we have spent over the years counseling people that have gone, uh, have been living over their means and unduly, they didn't have to do that. They've gotten themselves in, into, into debt. So go make a deal with the credit cards or whatever and, and get that beyond, get beyond you. And if you can't handle a credit card, uh, get rid of the things. And, and so you say, well, you know, if I can't borrow money, um, how, am I, uh, how am I supposed to live? Look at verse 6. Go to the ant. That's what you do. Go to the ant, you sluggard. Now, there's a number of themes in the book of Proverbs. We're going to deal with a few of them tonight. One of them is laziness and the value of work, and the value of getting a job. And uh, I got to tell you, uh, there is so much in here. And, and, and again, we were talking about this morning about um, uh, the, in the book of Luke and how Luke as a writer continually is inspired by the Holy Spirit, continually bringing up the subject of giving money. Be, why? Because we just he, he had seen no doubt the danger of what the money had done to the human heart. Uh, and and here too, the whole, this is just another area that the damage that has been done with idleness. Oh, I have seen idleness just destroy people. Idleness, you know, 
uh, is you're giving so much opportunity for for Satan to work in your life if if you are living an idle life. We were made uh, to be active. Go to the ant, you slugger, consider her ways and be wise, which having no captain, overseer or ruler, provides her supplies in the summer, gathers her food in the harvest. How long will you slumber, O sluggard, when you rise up from your sleep? And then this verse, I think it's quoted three times in Proverbs, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. So shall your poverty come upon you like a prowler and your need like an armed man. The NIV says, so poverty poverty will come upon you like a bandit and scarcity like an armed man. And... uh, uh, you know, you don't see an ant take a cappuccino break. You know, I don't see ants doing that, man. They they just go on and on and on and on. And, uh, you know, I, I do be, believe in the principle of rest that's written into the creation. We need to rest and take time for rest. But if it, it rests itself... Just like spending money can turn into something that is it, it, that we get comfortable with, that is just really dangerous, and we need to uh, be very, very careful. Now, of course, none of this is talking about someone who's laid off and looking for a job or, or anything like that. This is talking about someone who is unmotivated and lazy. You know, we need to be so disciplined with our time. You know, we've talked a lot recently about God's money. Well, also God's time. Can you answer to God what you do with your time? Your time uh, watching TV. Your time uh, on the Internet. Your time sleeping. Your time reading. Is what you're reading really uh, time well spent? Your time reading may be very, very well spent. But uh, the Bible has a lot... Uh, to say about that, but I also have used this uh, these verses in in verse ten and eleven. There's a whole spiritual uh, uh, element to this as well. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a bandit, scarcely like an armed man. Man, if you don't discipline yourself, you just get a little lazy with your being in God's word. If you start just, you know, taking a pause here and a pause there of what you know you need spiritually to get by uh, day to day. And poverty, poverty will come upon you like a bandit, scarcely like an armed man. All of a sudden you'll wake up one day and, and you know, the, the, the picture here in another part of Proverbs uh, that actually precedes these verses is a guy goes out to a field and there's like weeds all over uh, the place. And, and then it goes on into quoting this verse. And this is what can happen to us spiritually. You know, we wake up one day and all of a sudden, you know, the weeds are like crawling all over us, the spiritual weeds over our, our life in the Word and our life in prayer. And it's like, you know, at that time, we need someone just to come in with a shovel 
and it gets kind of painful when someone's uh, digging up the weeds, uh, uh, you know, in, in your spiritual life. Verse 12, a worthless man. In the Hebrew, it's son of Belial. You know what Belial means. It's, it's another word that's used for the devil. Who walks with a perverse mouth. He winks with his eyes. He shuffles his feet. You know, so much of what we see on TV, on these sitcoms and stuff, it's these winks and suggestive stuff. And, you know, uh, uh, that's what she said type of nonsense jokes and and, and this type of thing. And and, and this is just, calls this type of thing, Refers to them who carries on like this, a son of Belial in verse 12. We lose something in the translation. Verse 14, perversity is in his heart. He devises evil continually. He sows discord. Therefore, his calamity shall come on suddenly. Suddenly, he shall be broken without remedy. And, you know, last Sunday night we talked about uh, one of the testimonies that was given last Sunday night was about, you know, someone who was just up here sharing that, what wow, you know, they see their friends seemingly, seemingly prospering in their sin. But that's all a big lie because whatever a man sows, he will reap. Sometimes it takes years, but often, like verse 15, it says it happens suddenly. That has been my experience, not only personally, just with the different things that I was involved in uh, prior to being with the Lord, but also as a pastor, calamity comes on suddenly after seemingly prosperity for so many years. And, you know, Psalm 73, we look out and, and we see, as that Psalm says, we see, oh, look at how the wicked prosper. And it really, it's a lie. And we need to... Trust in God's word. 16, verse 16. These six things the Lord hates. Now I want to know what the Lord hates. So I want to read them. Yes, seven are an abomination to him. Abomination means an exceedingly great sin. A proud look. You know, single people. I, I, I say this. I've said this often before. Nothing is sexier than a man or God, a man of God or a woman God who's really walking with the Lord because uh, to a godly single person or a godly uh, yeah godly single person they'll look at your life and they will see beauty but if they see a proud look you're not going to have God, a godly man or a godly woman attracted to you because it's vile it says God hates a proud look but in humility, there is a beauty in it. There's a beauty in it. And it's so attractive in the body of Christ, really, to, to, to godly singles, both men and women, when, there's, when they see humility in someone of the opposite sex. But a proud look, the Lord, it says the Lord hates. Because, and it, it's, it's just, it's ugly. It's oogly. They say in the south, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift in running to evil. You say, oh, 
that doesn't just, none of this describes me. My feet ne- are never swift in running to evil. When, well, when's the last time you, you know, you, you found out something about a brother that they, they had fallen into sin or something, or a sister, they'd fallen into sin. You, you, your feet were swift to run and tell someone else about it. Oh, it was true. And you think, thought that justified you, but really it was just what you did was evil. Feet that are swift in running to evil. We need to expose our hearts uh, to the word of God here. A false witness who speaks lies and one who sows discord amongst the brethren. So that one's an abomination. The first six he, the Lord hates. The seventh is an abomination, an exceedingly great sin. And what is that? One who sows discord among the brethren. You know, you'll hear a preacher say every once in a while that that God doesn't grade sin. All sin is, is equal. That absolutely is not biblical. The word abomination says an exceedingly great sin. Now, it's true that any one sin will send a person to hell and Jesus needs to die for that one sin. But an abomination is an exceedingly great sin in the eyes of God. Over and above these others. So more than a proud look. More than a lying tongue. More than shedding innocent blood. Wow. One who sows discord among the brethren. Now, that may seem a little strange to you. But, you know, when you consider that Jesus said to the disciples... People will know you. They'll be attracted to me if you love one another. It starts to make a lot more sense. This is how the world is saved. This is how people come to Christ. By unity amongst the brethren. And man, if someone sows discord among the brethren. In in chapter 17 of, of John, when he's saying his... His prayer to the Father in the Garden of Gethsemane, Gethsemane he's, he's asking the Father to bring them unity. I tell you, when someone breaks that up, that is serious, serious business. And so, six things the Lord hates. Seven, an abomination. And that seventh, one who sows discord amongst the brethren. Verse 20. Recurring theme in the book of Proverbs here. My son, keep your father's command and do not forsake the law of your mother. Bind them continually upon your heart. Tie them around your neck. When you roam, they will lead you. When you sleep, they will keep you. And when you awake, they will speak with you. For the commandment is a lamp. The law is a light. Reproofs of instructions are the way of life. To keep you from the evil woman, from the flattering tongue of a seductress. For by, it says, do not lust after her beauty in your heart, nor let her allure you with your eyelids. So many warnings, not only, again, about laziness, not only uh, about just different money issues, but sexual promiscuity. Why? Oh, the misery. The misery. You know, when there is an adulterous relationship, 
it, the devil doesn't end it with just that. He then takes the, a marriage. He t- then takes the life of the children. So much crime in this city can be directly attributed to sexual promiscuity. Kids being raised by a single mother with no men in sight. You know, I never forget what Tony, who works down at at Ellis, Hayward Taylor, said about one of the the boys, an older boy. He asked, why do none of the fathers stay around for us? And he actually uh, began tearing up. And, you know, just about six weeks ago, a couple of the kids in the Bible club saw a shooting in broad daylight. They're being raised. They're the products of, of sexual uh, promiscuity. Oh, the, oh the, uh, the misery that has happened as a result of it. Not to mention sexually transmitted diseases and there's heartaches and problems in marriage which result because of premarital sex. I mean, the, 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 the list goes on. And, but that's why he's warning. He loves his son and he's warning his son about these things. Verse 25 says, Do not lust after her in your heart. The heart... And we read last week, I think, that, or the two weeks ago, above all things, guard your heart, for from it proceed the issues of life. It's where, we, it's where it all starts. You know, it's a place that no one else sees, we, so we think we're getting away with it. We start playing with thoughts. The Bible says in Psalm 104, it talks about blessing the Lord. Blessing the Lord. And, one, and we, we, when we were in Psalm 104, we, we talked about how do we bless the Lord? Well, in that Psalm, one of the th- things that it says that you can bless the Lord with is your meditation. Your meditation, the thoughts that you dwell on, your meditation. And we can bless the Lord by what we meditate on, what we're preoccupied with. Hebrews 4.13 says, All things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. So important that the battle is waged for purity. The battle is waged starting with the heart. Verse 25 says, Nor let her allure you with her eyelids. Oh, the power of the eyes. And Jesus says, of course, if you lust after a woman in your heart, you commit adultery. So don't, you know, he's just, among other things, just really accentuating there the importance of of purity and guarding your heart. Verse 27, can a man, verse 26 rather, for by means of a harlot, a man is reduced to a crust of bread. An adulteress will prey upon his precious life. Can a man take fire into his bosom and his clothes not be burned? Uh, Speaking of letting the fire... uh, Actually, can a man take fire to his bosom and and his clothes not be burned? Very often this 
verse is, is quoted, this is speaking here of let it, actually the context is letting the fire of lust get into your heart. And women, this is for you too. And he's not interesting. These uh, proverbs written by Solomon, a guy who had enormous problems in this area. And people ask, well, did he write it before or after? You know, all his mad, crazy womanizers. We don't know. All we know that this is the scripture is, is God breathed. Can you play with fire? Oh, sure, I can. I, I hear this as a pastor. Just got an email uh, recently from a single person who's unmarried but in a relationship getting uh, physical. And, and, you know, I see this thing. You don't understand, Pastor Steve. Other people may not be able to handle this kind of stuff. I can. I mean, I tell you, when I f- hear stuff like that, I, 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 I just want to fall on my face. I just, heard, <laughs> I just heard it so much. It's such complete nonsense. You don't understand your flesh if you are saying things like that. They are famous Last words. Famous last words. Verse 30. Let's skip down there. People do not despise a thief if he steals to satisfy himself when he is starving. Yet, when he is found, he must restore sevenfold. He may have to give up all the substance of his house. So there's just a warning there against stealing. You know, sometimes... The Bible says we have to live by faith and not by sight. And sometimes we think, man, things are so rough financially, I have to start cutting corners. And this is saying, don't do that. Trust in the Lord. Verse 32. Whoever commits adultery with a woman lacks understanding. He who does so destroys his own soul, it says. He destroys his own soul. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Some of you may be thinking, well, when you get off the subject, hey, all I'm doing is reading through the Bible, man. If, 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 you know, if we go through a bunch of books of the Bible and it doesn't mention this, I won't be talking about it. But if it mentions it every fifth verse, I will be. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Verse. Let's start in verse 16. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a harlot is one body with her? For the two, he says, shall become one flesh. But he is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Flee sexual morality. Every sin that a man does is outside the body, but he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God and you are not your own? For you were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit which are God's. And so it has this very curious verse here, verse 18, flee sexual morality. The word there is fornication, porneo, from which we get, um, from, from which we get pornography. In the Greek, it's porneo. And it's referring really to 
here in this particular context, it's really uh, any kind of sexual uncleanness, not just talking about um, adultery. It says, every man, every sin that a man does is outside the body, but he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. You know, the, the Bible says it's like, uh, like an onion. You know, when you are having sex outside of marriage, it's like peeling away an onion. You know, in the world they say, a guy says, oh, yeah, I slept with this woman last night. I got a piece of her. Sorry for being irreverent. But, but the, it may be irreverent, but that's actually, he may be boasting it may be worldly boasting, but that's literally the truth. He did get a piece of her, and actually a piece that will never be able to be retrieved. And that's why this says that this particular sin, you sin against your own body. And that's why back in uh, Proverbs, you can turn back with me there it says that's why it says verse verse 32 he who does so destroys his own soul now wonderful wonderful grace for all of this the grace of god is exceedingly abundant i think of first corinthians chapter six where where paul says to the corinthian church he says, such were some of you. Who were they? Well, he's talking about such were some of you, meaning some of you were fornicators, people who were involved in sexual immorality, actually a lot of it. But then he says in First uh, Corinthians six eleven, but you were washed. You were justified by the spirit of our God and by the Lord Jesus Christ. And, 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 and but yet, at the same time, we need to soberly read what the Word of God says about these things. Verse 33, wounds and dishonor he will get, and his reproach will not be wiped away. For jealousy is a husband's fury. You know, the most dangerous, I'm sure many of you have heard this, the most dangerous, what would you call it, uh, response that a policeman has to do is domestic violence. It's amazing how many cop cars they send out just when some woman is yelling on the phone, my husband is beating me. I mean, I, I saw in the middle of the night one time a, a neighbor, I was like, woke up at three in the morning. And I remember because I remember and all of a sudden I woke up. It's one of those things. All of a sudden I realized I left the hose on outside it's like, oh, great. You know, ever have that happen to you? It's like, wait, why is this happening now? You know, <laughs> uh, why am I remembering this now? So I go outside and um, turn off the hose and all of a sudden six cop cars come up, you know, and, and, and they, uh, you know, they, they come up to my neighbor's house and they pull my neighbor out and handcuffs and haul him away. Uh, and um, I remember thinking, I mean, what are, was he like a Colombian drug lord or something like that? I found out later it was just his wife called. He was uh, threatening her. And that's because many policemen are shot, I understand, for attorneys. That is the most dangerous job that any attorney can have for attorneys, a divorce attorney. They get shot in open court sometimes. It says for, it, it, it says for jealousy is a husband's fury... Therefore, he will not spare in the day of vengeance. Meaning, you know, he's, 
he's going to he's not going to have any reason he's not going to even care about the consequences he will accept no recompense nor will be he he be a pay, appeased though you may you give many gifts and so just another statement here of sort of the gravity of just going into this whole realm of sexual immorality there's just there's a huge sphere of danger uh, whenever we uh, whenever we go uh, uh, to that uh, to that place, chapter seven, my son, keep my words and treasure my commands within you. Keep my commands and live in my laws. The apple of your eye. That, that word apple is in the Hebrew is pupil. Bind them on your fingers. Write them on the tablets of your heart. Say to wisdom, you are my sister, and call understanding your nearest kin that they may keep you from the immoral woman, from the seductress who flatters with her words. You know, the Bible over and over just speaks to the sacredness of a man and woman coming together in marriage and becoming one. It's really a mystical thing happening where two spirits are are becoming one. And the fact that a man and woman can have sex, have sex and a child results is a reflection. This is a heavy, heavy thing. Now, I remember when my uh, daughter Adlai was born on a hotel lobby floor because we couldn't make it to the hospital. It was a pretty harrowing thing that happened that day. Uh, how many of you have heard this story? Well, I'll tell the full version some other time. It sounds like a lot of you haven't. But yes, that happened. And we were going down the elevator. Uh, actually, we were in Miami at the time. And all of a sudden, Stephanie said, It's coming out. And um, I think by the time she got out of the elevator, the head was already coming out. So we, 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 we uh, you know, um, so we're in this hotel lobby floor, and I'm like, Stephanie, you're having a baby. You need to, like, get ready. She goes, there's people around. Can't you see? <laughs> and so this one guy who, in this, in this it was like a hotel-slash-short-term um, housing place. He goes, you know, he's an Italian, and he kept on saying, Mamma Mia, Mamma Mia. His name was Mario. Mamma Mia, she needs a sheet. You need to go get a sheet. So I went, and I got a sheet. And uh, uh, anyway, there were still a lot of people around. And uh, uh, this Adelaide came out, and uh, it was a, by the, an ambulance got there. Uh, when her head was, I would say, about halfway out, something like that. And uh, so the ambulance guy uh, brought Adley into the world. I didn't have a whole lot of uh, confidence uh, in these guys because at one point um, they, uh, the guy said, hey, you know, hand me a tourniquet. And, and the guy gives, gives him something. He goes, this isn't a tourniquet. Uh, you know, uh, anyway. But... Um, Again, I, I don't want to be irreverent, but there were some people, some people looking, um, looking on in, in spite of the sheet. 
Uh, and uh, because at, at four in the morning in South Beach, in Miami Beach, it's basically rush hour there. So uh, it's not a private private uh, thing, even at that hour of the, of the morning in Miami. Um, and we asked uh, Mario, this guy Mario helped us out, and, uh, and he goes, uh, and we said, so what did, you, what did your friend think about all this? Because he had a friend that was like hanging out, and the friend says, said to Mario, he said, I'm never sleeping with another woman. That's what he said after he witnessed the whole thing. And, you know, I thought a lot about that. And, and so often when people are just jumping into bed with one another, they don't realize this is like a heavy, heavy thing that you're doing and that results from, uh, you know, the, 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 this, this, this act which God created as something beautiful. Can't read the Song of Solomon. Yes, that's coming up after Proverbs, after, after Ecclesiastes, where we see just the beauty of a sexual relationship between a man and a woman. But um, this guy, after witnessing all this, you know, there's blood everywhere. Sorry, I don't want to embarrass my wife. But, uh, you, know, he, 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 you know, he's like, wow, this is like what becomes of all of this? And I thought that was a pretty profound thing, you know. Uh, anyway, uh, but, but you know, the Bible speaks of it as something sacred and something uh, holy. And verse, verse 6, it says here, it says, For at the window of my house I looked through my lattice and saw among the simple, I perceived among the youths a young man devoid of understanding. In other words, this guy doesn't understand... And it's sort of like Mario's friend, how profound it is just to have sex with a woman. What's really taking place and the gravity uh, of, you know, of it all. He passed along the street near her corner and he took the path to her house. And so we've used here the, uh, before the, the analogy of the Coke machine, you know, a lot of times you, you can look at temptation like a Coke machine, you know, you can put the Coke four quarters, you know, you have to buy a, a, a to get a Coke and you put that one uh, quarter in and the Coke doesn't come, you put another quarter in. A third, if you put in that fourth quarter, you know, when you're three quarters in, you can still put, you know, the refund thing. And all those quarters will come trickling down. But if you put that fourth quarter in, that Coke is coming down. And, you know, when you, there's this, this picture here of this young man. He's going down the street, and it says he took the path. It says, Verse 8, passing along the street near her corner, he then took the path to her house. At that point, the fourth quarter's in. And you can't expect at that point that you're going to be able to defeat the temptation. And that's why it's so important, that's so important that you just be so careful 
uh, not, really not to even begin putting in the quarters in this area. But but if if you've if, you know if you've started, you got to run fast the other way, recognizing the danger of it. Verse nine in the twilight, in the evening, in the uh, black and dark night, and there was a woman. Uh, that met him with the attire of a harlot and a crafty heart. She was loud and rebellious. Her feet would not stay at home. At times she was outside, at times in the open square, lurking at every corner. So she caught him and kissed him with an impudent face. Shameless face. She said to him, I have peace offerings with me today. I have paid my vows. And how often uh, we have seen over the the years, the, the many years uh, uh, that uh, Stiffy and I have been in ministry in one way or other. This very kind of thing here where someone is just using spiritual language. They're in church and they're saying, you know, right here it says, he says, I, pat, I have peace offerings with me. That's speaking specifically to an offering mentioned in the first five books of 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 um, of the Bible and Leviticus, so she's saying, you know, I'm religious. I have peace offerings with me. Actually, peace offerings were the one offering, unlike the sin offering and the burnt offering, where peace offerings were represent just communion that people had with the Lord. A peace offering. You gave a peace offering to the Lord. It was all about. It was all about um, communion with the Lord. It's essentially the same equivalent as our devotion time. And I see, just see this all the time, you know, in the church. A, a, a man luring a woman or a woman luring a man. But, oh, yeah, I had my devotion time. Let me tell you, any idiot knows the right thing to say to a Christian man or woman, the right thing to say, to lure them in. And, and you, can't, uh, you, you, you can't make a decision about who you're going to court or marry based upon something that someone says. This is why I, I'm not a proponent at all of internet relationships. Because a gorilla can figure out. A Christian gorilla. Is there such a thing? Of course there's not. But uh, a gorilla can figure out what he's supposed to say or what she's supposed to say to some guy uh, on, uh, on an email. And, and many times they can even mean it. I really want to live my life for Jesus the rest of my life. But words are so cheap. They are so cheap. And so many people get lured into relationships. Oh, he really has a heart for God. Yes, but what about the fruits of his life? What about his character? And, you know, we see this over and over again. It's come to the point where it literally, to me, is utterly irrelevant that someone calls themselves a Christian. Well, I'm dating this guy. Is he a Christian? Oh, yeah, yeah, he's a Christian. Irrelevant. I, I'm sorry. It's just the case. It just doesn't matter to me anymore. Is there character in the person's life? Do they have a relationship with Jesus? Do they have fruit, the fruit um, of a Christian life? Because, you know, here, here this woman is doing... Uh, the same thing. I have peace offerings with me, she says. Today I've paid my vows. So I came to meet you diligently to seek your face, and I have found you. I have spread my bed with tapestry, colored coverings of Egyptian linen. 
I have perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Come, let us take our fill of love until morning. Come, let us take our fill of love You know, I, I have a pastor friend who I respect enormously, and um, he, you know, like we do here, but he deals with these situations, and he'll, where there's uh, sexual um, promiscuity going on in a relationship with two people in the church, and, you know, he'll he'll get a guy alone, he'll say, and, and he'll confront him, and, and, um, and you know we, we we've done the same kind of thing here, and 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 but he'll say, look, you know, why did you do this? Well, I love her. And he says, no, you don't love her. You love your sexual organ. Wow. You say that's just really, really not what a pastor should be saying. Oh, really? This is a really serious thing. I think we've already agreed on that. How seriously serious this is, and this is uh, this is one um, area that I haven't said that myself to a guy. I reserve the right to though, because this is such a serious issue. We've just seen so much damage in people's lives, and if you know, if I if there's one area that I'm going to go hardball with, with 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 a guy and and a woman, it's it's this one. Just because there's just been so much carnage in this area. And it, this, she calls it love. It's the reason I brought this up. Let us, let us delight ourselves. Verse 18, come, let us take our fill of love until morning. Let us delight ourselves with love. It's not love, it's lust. And if a guy really loved you, he wouldn't be doing that because it is a selfish act to take that from a woman prior to marriage. A girl, if she really loved the guy, wouldn't be doing that because it's a selfish act prior to marriage. It's not love. For my husband is not at home. Verse 19, he has gone on a long journey. He has taken a bag of money with him and will come on the appointed day. With her enticing speech, she caused him to yield. So the, um, the thought there, she caused him to yield, is that, you know, it, it, it took a while. It, it, sin always has a history. It started with something else. Um, he, you know, initially he had a, a really strong resistance, but it, it was gradually uh, broken down. And when someone sins in this particular area, so oftentimes you hear, oh, I don't know what happened. I just sort of just fell into this sin. Well, that's nonsense. There's always a history there. It started with in the thought life. It started maybe in a, a porn site or it started with, uh, you know, this or that. Uh, but finally, there's a yielding, and that's what happens to this guy. With her flattering lips, she seduced him. Immediately, he went after her as an ox goes to slaughter, as a fool to the correction of the stocks, till an arrow struck his liver as a bird hastens to the snare. He did not know it would cost his 
life. Therefore, listen to me, my children. Pay attention to the words of my mouth. Do not let your heart turn aside to her ways. Do not stray into her path. So she has cast down many wounded. For all who were slain by her were strong men. Her house is the way to hell, descending to the chambers of death. Wow, this is all just so very uh, heavy. Um, you know, I talked this morning about Balaam in the uh, in the Old Testament, in the Book of Numbers. Balaam was a, a false, uh, actually he was not a false prophet, but what he was, he was a prophet who was not from the Israelite nation. And God actually uh, used this, this guy. He was an evil man, but God used him. There was a king, and they still do stuff like this in certain parts of the country. They didn't do it in Haiti, uh, who wanted, was scared of Israel and hired Balaam to curse Israel and he gave Balaam money. This guy Balak, this uh, king or prince, hired uh, Balaam and said, look, you need to curse Israel. And every time he tried to curse him, every time his mouth opened up, he wound up blessing Israel. And finally, um, after it happened three times, the guy Balak was exasperated, but so was Balaam. He goes, look, I can't do that. I have to, I have to, I, you know, I, I just can't do that. But let me tell you how to get to these people. And he said, you can attack them from within. And he uh, gave them the advice, you know, send in your women and lure away the men. And it wound up uh, being, uh, you know, the, 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 they wound up being their do- downfall. And just, uh, I don't know how many people died uh, as a result of the judgment, as a result of that. But um, it was just uh, a tragedy that had, it was a defeat. Israel was defeated from within in that way. And, you know, it's just so important that if there is something causing you to sin in this area, whether it's uh, a TV satellite dish, you know, Get rid of the thing, if it, 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 you know, or, or the internet, or certain people who you hang out with. They always sort of want to go there, you know, with suggestive stuff. And uh, no, if you sometimes you just have to rip your flesh away, you know, and just rip your flesh out and throw it to the side. You have to do that. You heard about this guy, probably many of you, Aaron Ralston, who. About five years ago, he was um, hiking, I think in Colorado or somewhere, and and uh, he fell, and a boulder fell right on his um, arm, and he tried for five days to get his um, arm from underneath his. Uh, uh, he tried to get this boulder uh, off of his arm, and finally, he just literally amputated his own arm and he uh, then had to walk like eight miles finally some tourist family from Germany or something saw him and it's like wow look what we found here uh, and they picked him up and it was, he actually lived and 
now the guy like tours around doing uh, is speaking at corporate conferences for fifteen thousand dollars a pop, <laughs> you know. Uh, but sometimes we need to do things like that. Jesus says, if "Your right hand causes you to sin; cut it off. If your right left eye causes you to sin, uh, uh, pluck it out." He's not talking literally. He's not talking literally because, as you know, you can pluck out your eyes, but you still have your mind. But he's talking about. You need to be ruthless, you know, in this particular area. And, you know, some of you may be thinking, you know, Mark Twain, I I think towards the end of his life, I heard he's really started really going against Christianity in many ways. And one of his was this whole area of of morality and the sexual realm. And it's like, you know, if, if, if we're like, if God made us like this, why is he putting us under all the, these restrictions? Actually, that's a, it's a, is a very good question. I mean, why, Lord, why, Lord, why, Lord, did you make me like this? So I'm having to, you know, being single and staying pure, really hard thing. Heard Don McClure, uh, who's a Calvary pastor, talk about this and. You know, he's like 13 years old, and all of a sudden these hormones start pumping into his body, and uh, and uh, he 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 likened it to when he was like seven, eight years old. He and his brothers used to go cut off the the uh, wings off of flies just to torture them and see them. You know, they had all this desire to take off, but they couldn't. So they like to twist it around on the ground, you know. And, or, and he goes, you know, I'm being paid back for that now. And I feel like a fly with no wings. And, you know, Lord, why is this? And the Lord revealed it to him and, and, and in a wonderful way. Look, you know, you go through this. You go through this faithfully and, you know, and, 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 and you survive this test, you will be able to survive a thousand other tests that are put before you in the race that I have set before you and the calling that I have had for your life. You will be able to do a thousand other things that are, you know, lesser trials than this. And I have seen, you know, this area, you know, we stumble and fall in many ways, the book of James says, you know, but I've seen singles uh, who just are made, and you just witness before your very eyes over a period of years, they're made into men and women of God just through battling through uh, these areas. And uh, it's a wonderful thing to behold. And so then, you know, by the time that they do get married or by the time that the Lord, if they ever get married, if they wind up doing whatever it is the Lord has called them to do, they're they're so much more prepared. And that may not sound a whole lot of consolation for you right now, but believe me, it it is, it's true. It's true, it's true. So I just want to just encourage just um, all of you in this area, both single and married, because a lot of this is talking also to married men, married women, just to really obey the Lord and keep up the fight in this area. Now, I, what I counsel a lot is that, look, you at, the, the most important thing is you stay in the fight. Don't just give up. Even after you've stumbled and fall, just say, oh, I stumbled and fall, I'm just going to give up in this area. No, just stay in the fight. That is what's so important and so crucial. So,